Hey everyone, welcome to episode 3 of Chatting Uncomfortably, the podcast that makes the uncomfortable comfortable. On this episode, I'm joined by Amber, an incredibly strong woman who's faced losing many loved ones in a very short space of time. Finding a name for this episode was pretty tricky. I toyed around with a series of unfortunate events, no more tears left to cry, but eventually landed on the unpredictable, on the notion that you can't predict how you're going to feel after loss. So, let's dive in. Goodness, Amber, I'm still trying to get my head around how weird it is seeing you not on a work laptop. Saying that, should we go into how we know each other? Yeah, sounds good. Do you want me to fire away, Serena, or should I let you take the stage? You go for it. So I had the great pleasure of meeting Serena actually through work. Uh, We work on a very creative team together, doing learning design, but really just trying to maximise our participant experience. So I guess our relationship was always quite professional in terms of we didn't really know much about each other's personal life. I think in this virtual world, the only thing that I saw and was very lucky enough to see was you'd bring your dog Rupert onto the video course, which was very, very lovely to see. And I guess on personal level on my side was I was on uh, BBC Radio London and shared my grief journey about losing my mum and shared the link around and Amber very kindly took a listen. It was very long. I think it was about a 20 minute <laughs> interview on BBC Radio London. So I'm massively appreciated you listening to that and afterwards you sent me an email to say that you resonated with it because unfortunately you lost your mum too at quite a young age so instantly from there I felt as though we sort of got to know each other a bit more on a personal level which is why I reached out to you actually because I thought you'd be so great to talk about your experiences and it's only after asking more questions and you opening up that your story just absolutely blew me away and just something that I really wanted to know more about and I think hopefully listeners listening to this would want to know more about as well. So that's how we met and this episode is around predicting the unpredictable which is a bit of a wordy one but what that essentially is with Amber's story and we'll hear more about this on this episode is when you go through grief sometimes you feel as though you'll almost always be able to predict how you're going to feel how you should act or how others think and perceive you to feel so with that being said Amber would you be able to intro your story in predicting the unpredictable yeah of course And I have to say, thanks for having me, Serena. The reason why I wanted to come on this show is because I absolutely love what you've done so far. And your story that I heard on the radio was just so gripping. And um, I think this is going to be a really good podcast and you're going to do a lot of good. So I'll just jump into my story. It all really started off kind of throughout my childhood. We've got a Murray family motto, which is kind of pick yourself up and get on with it. You know, don't dawdle, don't fuss. If you're going through a tough time, you know, you're resilient, you can do it. And throughout my childhood, we had a fairly chaotic, although my dad was already always calm. We lost a lot of very close family members in a very short space of time including my mum, aunties, uncles, nan. And at the time, I don't really remember strongly grieving at the time. I never broke down. I don't remember crying. Really, it's quite shocking and disturbing when you say it out loud. But at no point did I kind of break as such. 
So although I don't really remember strongly grieving at the time, later in my life it definitely manifested as anxiety. So on a daily basis, and I still do think this, um, I think thoughts like, is this going to be the last time I'll hear my dad's voice? Or is this going to be the last time I hear my sister bossing me around and telling me what to do? Who will I lose suddenly and unexpectedly? And although this started off as kind of like a niggling feelings, it started to develop and get darker, kind of wild imagination turned to like vivid, traumatic scenes. And it became a little bit difficult to deal with. And that's kind of something I'm definitely trying to work on at the moment. So um, despite the childhood that I had and the anxiety, I never like really remember grieving like they do in the movies, you know, when they, they break down, they fall to the floor. And although the Murray motto is not enforced, we're just not really an overly emotive bunch. So um, I've kind of always seen myself as this fortress of steel, an impenetrable, resilient and strong person, just like my sister and my dad, you know. It's not an attitude where we've been told not to feel and not to share emotions. It's just who we are. And because of it, I've become a very resilient person and I'm proud of the flexibility that I'm allowed to show and the calmness that I can uh, handle just in the general day-to-day stress, especially during the unprecedented times that we are in at the moment. Last year, my gramps passed away and I didn't grieve for him. I didn't grieve for myself when I was diagnosed with life-changing illnesses. And I didn't grieve a few years ago or even when I had what I described as kind of my week from hell. I just got on with it. For you at the time when you lost your mum, firstly, how, how old were you at the time? And secondly, with that Murray motto of kind of keep calm and carrying on, you said it was kind of inbuilt into you. But was there a part of you that thought maybe later these these feelings are sort of manifesting and I, I probably haven't really maybe dealt with that grief? Yeah, it's difficult to say. I was very young when my mum passed away. I was five years old. And it's hard to say whether that grief is still there. Sometimes I think of it as because I don't remember her very well. Am I grieving for the loss of my mum or am I grieving for the life that I've led without a mother? And I don't know whether I'm kind of almost a little bit scarred from losing her or if it's just instilled fear that nothing kind of lasts forever and you will lose everyone someday and it's just that kind of questioning when will it be interestingly it didn't start to manifest until maybe a couple of years ago even which is quite a few years after my mum passed away and even still a few years after my nan and aunties passed away as well that's interesting in the sense that you know on episode two we explore the topic of unresolved grief and it was there that we we really picked up on the notion that actually because when you're so young at the time you don't always deal with those feelings there and then and you kind of go into autopilot mode where it's how do I know to continue and it is at that point it would have been going to school and if it was a Mori motto it probably would have been the case where dad and sister were doing the same thing too and it almost felt normal in a way to just carry on and not face those feelings absolutely I couldn't agree more with it just feeling normal and carrying on to the point where I didn't even think about it at the time which sounds so strange that you like you wouldn't think about that kind of thing but it just feels so normal to me to you know carry on go forward that I really didn't question myself at all 
it was really interesting when you said, was it grief of losing my mum or was it the the notion of just having life without a mother growing up? I think that's a really interesting point because at that age of five, it's almost as though those five years you may not have remembered as much, but then as you grow up and you see, you know, you go to your friend's house or you see around you your cousins or families and, and, and the relationship they have of their mum as actually maybe the grief of what could have been. Yeah, exactly. And when you see like Mother's Day cards all over the place, and um, I might not remember my mum, but there is a pang of sadness and a pang of grief there of almost what memories have I missed out on, as opposed to who do I now miss? Yeah, absolutely. And I can really resonate with that a lot, because I hate going into you know supermarkets around the time of you can't avoid it it's just so in your face sometimes and it's it's really difficult because I think with these days with social media it's so much more in your face in the sense that people will post happy birthday mum or happy mother's day and I I refrain from going on social media on mother's day but then I'm not going to know oh it's so-and-so's mum's birthday so I can't go on social media today because I'm going to see that they're posting that they're they absolutely love them you know it's just always there and it's a constant and it's kind of a feeling that you can't escape almost even on Facebook people will share you when you get older you realize your mum is your best friend in your life and I'm just like great well she's not here anymore so does that mean I'm never gonna have a best friend and I'll immediately click the three buttons that click don't want to see this post and it's like I've already seen it but it's like I'm scared I'm gonna see it again and again so yeah I completely resonate to that and it's that fear of almost of I'm not having those memories that others have and maybe like a bit of comparison syndrome yeah absolutely and mother's day is hard like next mother's day me and you serena should meet up and open a bottle of bubbly and celebrate all the good times so yeah mother's day is hard seeing like pictures online of you know as you said i love my mum. like wedding photos of mum and daughter getting ready in the morning it's very tough and i know that you find it tough as well it's just something that we kind of maybe i should not say the mari motto of keep calm and carry on you kind of just have to do it is what it is yeah and it's interesting because people deal with deal with the grief in in many different ways and that really is the purpose of this podcast is to share stories of different ways that people deal with their grief and you know I think at the time maybe at 22 when I lost my mum there was a lot of oh my goodness like I need to face those feelings because suddenly I was in this house that we both lived in and I couldn't escape it like I had to deal with it but I can't imagine losing a mum of five really because it's almost as though you're young in the sense that you don't know how to almost but then you're still at, you know you're not like a baby in the sense that you're, you're one or two like you still have those memories almost. Yeah a five let's be honest a five-year-old doesn't really understand the concept of you know they're not coming back very difficult to kind of imagine the difference between our different situations but we definitely have a lot in common and at the end of the day grief is grief whether it manifests from different places whether it shows itself in different ways or whether it's for the loss of a person or the loss of an experience or the the loss of you know some something that means a lot to you it doesn't really matter because everyone experiences it it's very human Absolutely. And I really like that you said it doesn't have to be the loss of a person necessarily, it's the loss of the experience. And that 
I've never thought about, but that's so powerful because as you're talking about losing your mum at, at five, it's that feeling of what is that experience going to look like? Like what would the mother days have been or or what would the, those photos when you see the, the mum and the daughters getting married? I, I definitely feel it to this day too. But yeah, I, I, I really like that point. I think it's such a good awareness point that it's not just losing the person, it is losing those experiences that you'll have in life, those milestones almost. Yeah, for sure. A difficult thing for anyone to go through. Absolutely. So as you went later on in life, you mentioned losing aunts and uncles, and it almost felt like a series of unfortunate events. Yeah, I read that series of books as a kid and really weirdly resonated with it. But until you've said it, I've not really linked it to my own life. Definitely at the time still felt very much like just by nature, it was a very sad time but continue power through get on with it that kind of thing and that whole get on with things because that is all I know almost I think people deal with it in different ways in the sense that is it do I want to face those feelings now do I want to go to counseling or do I go into autopilot mode and just crack on Yeah. And it's really hard to dig down deep and decide which one you are. Sometimes I question myself as to, is it a grief mechanism, a coping mechanism to just carry on? Or maybe I didn't, you know, I wasn't as close to them as I would be someone else. Would it feel differently if it was someone that I was much closer to? And that's a very difficult emotion to process because then you almost feel that sense of guilt should I feel much worse than I do should I feel a lot sadder should I have reacted differently I don't know the answer to that sadly Mm. it is a good awareness point to draw out there because I think a lot of people might be going through the same sort of feeling is I feel as though there's no more tears left to cry and in your mind I mean I didn't really mean to quote Ariana Grande there but it's (laughs) (laughs) great tune though but it's almost as though you you start to question like was that relationship I had with them that special and it's almost as though because you've gone through that series of unfortunate events it's built your resilience to a point where you just have that predictability of well a loved one I'm I'm just going to lose a loved one so I'm not shocked by it anymore bringing it back to that predictability point almost everyone else would predict for you how you felt I would tell people oh my my gramps had passed away and they'd be like oh my god I'm so sorry condolences and there I am kind of not really reacting definitely not crying definitely not collapsing like they do in the movies definitely not acting as they would predict and then me starting to think oh no should I should I act differently I feel so bad for not maybe being as sad as I should be and then getting all that kind of confusing whirlwind of emotions of should I will I am I putting some kind of emotion off or is this genuinely how I feel and then I kind of just tell my mind to shut up you feel how you feel don't try to question yourself too much I really like that point of you feel how you feel because I think if someone took that event in isolation, people don't know the full picture. They won't know your past in terms of those series of unfortunate events or losing loved ones. And that anxiety that almost built in in you that I'm going to lose loved ones. So when it happens, I'm not shocked. And like I said, like if someone was looking at losing their gramps, 
they put themselves in your shoes to like, oh my goodness, because people react how they would feel if they were in your shoes. And that's why I know that, you know, someone lost their mum, that people that reached out to me that would send me paragraphs would be the ones that would really put themselves in my shoes and think, I cannot imagine what you are going through because if that was me, whoa. And then there were people that may still have a close relationship, but not as close or best friend mother relationship that I had. Basically, what I'm trying to say there is that people would put themselves in your shoes when you experience loss. And probably why when you got those reactions of oh, many condolences to when you lost your grumps, it's because people would think, oh, if I lost my gramps, this is how I would feel. But they would never know like your history of loss and your anxiety around loss that for you, it was just Morimoto, get on with it, crying. What's crying? I've got no more tears left to cry. No, no tears to start with. It's not a crier. Yeah, for sure. And I would say that instead of it kind of manifesting as I, I expected it to happen, so you know, I'm going to carry on. As it got later down the line, as I got older, it started to affect my anxiety and then kind of it started to manifest as anxiety. So before, whereas it would be like, you know, everyone dies, then it started to be everyone dies. And then it started to be, when will it be the last time I speak to this loved one? then getting some really vivid imaginations and some really dark stuff going on inside my head that was needlessly there. It didn't need to be there. So it was, it manifested itself in such a strange, but I guess predictable way as you would expect from someone who's lost so many people in their lives. And that anxiety is an interesting awareness point to draw out because some people may never have experienced losing a loved one until much, much later in life. I know definitely before losing my mum, I was I was very much like, well, I've never lost a loved one, really. So if I could put off seeing my family, you know, a weekend, I, I, I wouldn't question it. I think, oh, it's okay, because I can just see them the next weekend and the next weekend. But now, I think after losing my mom, I was very much like, well, I don't know how much precious time I'm going to have with these loved ones. So it definitely changed my outlook on how and my relationships with people. I know with my nanny, like she's very, probably one of the most important people in my life at the moment. And I do probably have a bit of anxiety anxiety with loss and in the sense that anytime she's sleeping and she's very 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 still I'd almost have to put a torch in her face and just check that she's still breathing she's probably like what the hell are you doing luckily she still stays sleeping but it is that fear of oh my god like for me losing losing my nanny would then be just unimaginable so that's why when it comes to any times that I spend with her, I think in the past, I'd be like, oh, it's okay. I can just see her when I see her. And now it's like, this could be the last Christmas. This could be the last birthday. This could be the last anything. So I completely appreciate your you opening up about that feeling of this could be the last time. Nothing like the experience of losing a loved one to make you really cling on to life and cling on to those you love around you. And do you feel that may have changed your attachment style? Please, can you clarify what an attachment style is? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so the attachment styles are four attachment styles. You have your secure attachment style, and that's based on your sort of your positive emotions. 
you have ambivalent attachment, which is you're very wary of strangers. You then have avoidant attachment styles where you just want to avoid attaching yourself to people entirely, maybe for fear or or any kind of that reason. And you have a disordered attachment, which is you're very like confused or you're apprehensive about attaching yourself to someone so definitely say that possibly when I was younger I was maybe leaning towards the secure attachment style but maybe after losing my mum that maybe attachment style started to started to change so it was just very interesting to to see whether it was the same for you I absolutely agree and when you start to get close to people those thoughts start to appear in your head of I don't want to get too close to them because I could get hurt and that doesn't just happen after losing a loved one that can happen after a bad relationship after getting rejected from a job or from a person any sort of loss really does make you question how much of a distance should I stand from people to protect myself and it is a form of protection protecting yourself emotionally and it is a coping mechanism but I think the question is is that a healthy coping mechanism or not? Uh, absolutely. And I remember seeing like these quadrants that said you either have like a low emotional avoidance or a high emotional avoidance. You either have low anxiety or a high anxiety. And one of the quadrants, if you have quite a high emotional avoidance and high anxiety, the attachment style there is fearful because you're almost fearful that Ah, if I get too attached to this person, are they just going to disappoint me? More deeper, am I going to lose them, which is more of a scarier thought. Just building on what you were speaking about in terms of if I have a loved one in my life, is it only a matter of time that I lose them too? Because that's, that's the series of unfortunate events that life has shown me. Yes, it's almost silly to not think about it. But then when you say it out loud, Serena, it just makes so much sense, doesn't it? And it's something that a lot of people go through. Yeah, absolutely. I can definitely resonate to that fearful part too. And I think that's really interesting that you drew that out, actually, because there will definitely be others going through loss that would feel the same thing. I don't want to get too close to this person because I fear that they're going to pass, you know, especially, for example, widows and widowers. You know, if they've if they found love, they're almost scared then to, to find love again because they're like, well, the love of my life has been lost. So I don't want to fall in love again. I don't know if you watch First Dates, so that was my absolute favorite program guilty pleasure and I'd almost always see you'd see those widows and widows come on and they said oh when was the last time you had a date and they're like not for 15 years I'm like oh my goodness but you could definitely see it because it's like if I lose a loved one I don't want to put myself in that situation again absolutely I couldn't agree more why would you why would you put yourself through the pain that you went through before Mm -hmm. So we talked about the anxious feeling of loss and how that sort of manifested. I think you mentioned that sometimes when you see your dad, you're thinking, is this the last time I'm going to, to hear his voice or the last time I'm going to see him? And the same with your sister sort of necking you. But how much does that affect you on a daily basis? I would say that it impacts me quite a lot, but not to the point where I can't function. I would say that I'm a functioning anxiety person, which sounds a bit odd, but it is what it is. So um, we spoke about Rupert before. It's funny you talked about your nan kind of having to give her a poke, shine a light on her 
I used to do the exact same thing. So he would look so still and I would kind of panic a little bit and like have to poke him and wake him up much to his distaste. And he was always annoyed at me whenever I did that, ruining his nap. But that was one of my greatest fears, losing him and losing those people that are closest to me. Did you feel that when you had Rupert that he was almost like a really great coping mechanism for you at the time? He was deemed chief morale officer for both me and my partner. It's currently December 2020, whenever you're listening to this. People at home, you probably heard about the events that happened throughout 2020. It was a fairly traumatic year for a lot of people. But whenever I was having like a stressful time or whenever I was really sad, I could just look behind me because he always sat behind me. And there he was sleeping away and it would make me feel so much better. Mm-hmm. And that anxiety of losing loved ones this year, would you say Rupert fell into that anxiety or was he there to kind of ease that anxiety? Of- definitely a bit of column A and a bit of column B. So he was definitely on the list of my fear of loss to the point where I would feed him the most expensive food available to dogs. He had He, he ate better than anyone else in our household. And if he didn't eat his food, I'd start to panic and get stressed out and have that anxiety of, oh, my God, what's wrong with him? Um, Is he really ill? So I'd then give him some fresh chicken, which is his favorite. And he very quickly learned that if he refused to eat his breakfast, he would get fresh chicken instead. So uh, he definitely played that to his advantage. But that's just an example of where it impacted me on my daily actions. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, losing Rupert how was that for you? Apologies if I start crying. So Rupert was kind of everything to us and when he was gone I completely broke. Um, Me and my partner didn't sleep or eat for days. We were crying constantly. I still cry on most days and it was months and months ago now. I question kind of why him, why me? I was a complete wreck and I definitely still haven't recovered and my heart still aches for him and everything around me reminds me of him. And that was such a significant difference to how I reacted this time last year when my gramps passed away to the point where kind of it it shocked me, made me question why was there such a difference in reaction? And then it didn't shock me because he was on my list of almost people who I was most scared to lose or gave me the most anxiety of losing. So again, I tried to predict how I would feel. And ultimately, it is an unpredictable thing to be able to do when it comes to grief. You can't really know how you're going to react or how you're going to feel. But I don't ever remember being that sad before. Mm-hmm. And that predicting how you feel, was that sort of built on past experiences of, oh, well, I felt this way before, so like that that's exactly how I'm going to feel this time. So, you know, when you lost your gramps and there were no tears there, was that almost as though losing Rupert would be similar to that? But then at the same time, was it actually, I can't, I can't predict how I'm going to feel if I lose Rupert because it was just so imaginable, unimaginable to think about that it just didn't want that thought. It's a strange way to think about it, but because of the anxiety where I was kind of manifesting these horrible scenarios, I'd already very thoroughly thought about him passing away in various 
different ways and I didn't even kind of have any expectations of how I would feel but the loss was just unimaginable and suddenly I could see why in movies people kind of fall to the floor and they break down and their demeanor and their character completely changes I I felt like I changed that day Mm-hmm. guess up until that point when you saw movies or people grieving and there's like this howling cry that you see and people like you said fall into the floor and the tissues and everything everywhere that for you was an alien sort of emotion would you say up until losing Rupert that is a great way to describe it it was definitely an alien emotion so although I could imagine how it felt I'd never actually been in those situation that situation before and was it a case that because Rupert was someone that he'd see day in day out and that living situation and I guess in especially because like like we mentioned this is 2020 he was that crutch in a difficult time absolutely and I think I'm gonna maybe say something very controversial and annoy a few people but I always said I've I see how some people took like treat their children and I definitely felt like I loved him like a child I know some people will not be able to empathize with that if you're not a dog lover but those fellow dog lovers will understand he was definitely my fur baby absolutely and I don't think that's going to cause any controversy at all because whether you have a love for someone or a pet it's never going to be a comparison of I this is a pet so I should love love it differently to how I would love a human because ultimately that feeling of love that you give to to someone is between you and that someone. It's never anything of comparison of society kind of tells us how maybe we should act with certain love for individuals. You know, a love for a child is always going to be paramount compared to a love for maybe parents or siblings. Like your love for a child is always going to be paramount. But it's very individual how we give and how we like to receive love. I mean, I probably known you like less than a year, but I knew your face beamed anytime Rupert came in the room. And I knew that anytime you mentioned him or anytime like we mentioned what we were doing on the weekend and stuff, like Rupert was front and foremost of that. Like he was very much in every single part of your life. And for others, they may not necessarily understand that. So I think when people go through loss, a lot of people that don't have pets will maybe not be able to resonate to what what your relationship with Rupert was. But I think that is just a really good awareness point there is just recognize and try to understand what that relationship meant to that person. It's an interesting point because I think you can sympathise with someone, you can empathise with someone, but you'll never truly know how they feel, which is a blessing and a curse, really. Yeah, people will never be able to fully, truly understand that huge pain and that huge loss. But I guess that awareness point would just be trying to understand that it may be a more special relationship than you know, so it's going to hit them more. You know, for example... I know that when you the days when you came back to work after Rupert unfortunately passed, it was like, okay, I, I will never know what Amber is going through, but I can somehow understand to some extent, never fully, but to some extent, that loss is going to be very, very difficult for her. Whereas for someone else going through a loss, um, it could be could be a loss of a grandparent and a grandparent that they've probably only seen 
once every few years and that relationship wasn't as close but I know if someone lost their grandma for me like that is a very 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 special relationship to me so I'll immediately put myself in their shoes and think oh my goodness like what are they going through but actually they might think actually I only saw my grandma a few times I only only really knew her just about remembered her name you know (laughs) and she only came into my life recently so that relationship isn't isn't as special it's not as raw losing them as it would be losing a pet so I guess that awareness point is just that people's relationships to loved ones are always going to be so different people will put themselves in your shoes and look at their relationship with their loved ones if that was them but it's never really going to be the same and just to detach from that thought process because it, it won't always be the same for everyone absolutely and it won't always be the same for everyone and it's funny you should say that between me you and your listeners I'd kind of bargained a bit and I thought you know why Rupert why not my nan she's old like take her instead <laughs> I, I just want Rupert back that's definitely a thought process I've gone through many times when when losing my mum therefore it was very much like why did you have to take my mum you know she had so much more to give what are you doing god don't think that's an uncommon feeling because when you go through grief that's the anger stage where you're really really angry and you're just like oh you hate anything and everything and you can't comprehend it so that is a complete valid emotion yeah I definitely remember thinking this isn't fair yeah, absolutely. Those feelings of this isn't fair. Why did it have to be me? And they say that there's the cycle of grief and the different stages. But it sounds as though when you'd lost loved ones in the past, that cycle of grief maybe didn't always happen. You know, the of losing your gramps, it wasn't that anger stage of why, why him? Yeah, I completely agree. I don't remember going through that cycle of grief at all. I had those days on Mother's Day where I felt sad and like I'd lost something or that it was a difficult day, but I just don't remember going through that cycle of grief. Yeah, and that cycle of grief is different for everyone. I mean, it's definitely one of the lessons I wanted to draw out that your process was never going to be linear. You we're on video right now and I'm just drawing like my finger in the air as if listeners are going to be able to see this but (laughs) the process wasn't linear it wasn't like a straight line but you know after one month you're here and you're going up the ladder you're going up the ladder and suddenly after one year you're completely fine because unfortunately it's a lot more zigzaggy that's not even a word but it was a lot more up and down I'll say in terms of grief process I remember coming back to work and I was stuck in and loved my projects and at work and was going out all the time and I felt fine but that was actually an avoidance tactic it was just a coping mechanism and then a year later that's when it hit me and I was like oh my god I miss her guess just an awareness point on that grief journey it's never going to be linear it's always going to be up and down and just don't don't be afraid of that as well you know it is a hard reality that people say oh it gets better over time yeah to some extent time is a healer but if there are times where when with yourself having Rupert in the house every day, there are going to be little triggers. You know, every every any time you walk past the supermarket and see fresh chicken, just just triggers. Or I think you remember telling me the story about the veggie ham? Yeah, yeah, definitely triggers everywhere. So um, that was one of the funnier memories that we shared in the. Rupert never stole food. He was a very good boy when it came to food, mostly because he 
was waiting for something better to eat but he would never steal food and then one day I you know set up my work laptop I put my toast with my veggie ham on it next to my laptop and I go downstairs to grab a coffee and I come back and the veggie ham is gone and I was just so shocked at the time that I just burst out laughing and he was looking at me he didn't look guilty whatsoever he looked very proud of himself at the time I just had it we had a good laugh and then I just ate the toast anyway and that was just one of the funny funny little tidbits that we did he sounds like such a diva dog (laughs) (laughs) he was a proper little prince Oh, bless. And was there anything that you did after he passed that did really help you to cope with that loss? Yeah, for sure. I think at first I tried to kind of force myself to do things and very quickly realised that that was a big mistake thinking doing things like kind of forcing myself to think about what happened and it was it was just making me go down like a dark place but one thing we did do was um in his memory we held a Dia de los Muertos celebration and if uh, the listeners don't know what that is it's the day of the dead a tradition in Mexico where uh, you celebrate the life of a lost one rather than mourn the life so we kind of We laughed about all the times that he barked at squirrels and hedgehogs. We talked about how he was such a prince and he always got whatever he wanted at all times with no compromises. And he would quite literally turn his nose up at something he didn't approve of. And we kind of fondly spoke about how he was actually a big sap and he would cuddle up to everyone and especially people who'd fed him the most chicken recently. And we reminisced about all the good memories and it felt good to once again remember the positive times rather than kind of the last time I saw him. That really helped. I love that. I'm not even going to think about trying to repronounce what you just said because I'm going to absolutely butcher it. But um, also, another side note is what a Rupert is just so clever there. He, it was almost as though he was playing you and your partner off each other. Like, mm, I'm going to show affection to Amber today because she fed me the most chicken. Absolutely. Like, he was very smart. He was a 50 kilogram Doberman. And anyone who's had a Doberman before will know how smart they are. Um, but he was especially smart and it did help him get whatever he wanted. Very, very clever dog indeed. And the celebrations, I absolutely love that idea. It's great that you did it because I can massively vouch for how much it helped me too. So before my mum passed, she actually wrote out what she would like in her funeral. Not in a morbid way. It was genuinely like, a, if I'm going to go, I'm going to go in my style. And it was things like, you know, I want a gospel choir, lean on me. And I want a wake. She definitely made it clear she wanted a wake after the funeral and in Asian culture we don't actually do wakes that much like it's not really a done thing but she said I want it in a celebration of lifestyle and that was that was exactly what I did we had music we had good food we had drinks and everything flowing and 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 a lot of my Asian relatives that came it was very very alien of them to kind of come to this kind of upbeat because I think in Asian culture kind of always told to bottle up your emotions and you're told to be sad but it was suddenly it was like we were were playing candy and we all did the dance together and we all did it in memory of her and it was amazing and I know that sounds really bizarre but the whole point of the whole day of the funeral in terms of like me getting up and reading my speech to everyone and seeing everyone around me crying 
all the way up until the day of the wake. I didn't shed a single tear that whole time. I was smiling the whole day. And I know this is really weird to say, like, what on earth? And it's why I can sympathise with you when you said, should I be more sad here? Like, you know, when, when you said your grandma's passed away and stuff. On that funeral day, I was like, what's going on? Like, I should be crying my eyes out because society tells me I should do that. And in the movies, that's what happens. And I should fall to the floor and, like, hand on my head and faint and all that. But I didn't do any of that. And it was, I think, because there was just that internal peace. And I generally felt like my mom was with me at that point to kind of say, you've got this, you know. And I, I think that's a really interesting awareness point here on this episode, too, is that you grieve in the way you want to grieve as well. And, you know, people could have looked at me on that on that funeral day and been like, her mum's gone. You know, there's people howling, crying, family, relatives, friends, everyone around me was crying their eyes out pretty much. And there I was smiling away. And that might be really bizarre to some people, but that's just the way that I coped with it. And I hope that you carry on this tradition, by the way, of celebrating the life of Rupert, whether it's an, an annual thing. I love it being an annual thing, by the way. So definitely vouch for that. We did a big celebrating the life of for my mum year on year. Well, we did it the first year and it's very expensive. So I couldn't afford to do it again and again. And it could honestly be the simplest thing. Now what we do is we just have a few loved ones, a few of our really good friends, and we just go out for a dinner and we all get a glass of Kia Royale, which she absolutely loved. And we just literally do a toast to, to Rita, to Rita, that's it. And that is what we do. And it can be as simple as that or as grand as, you know, a big old, big old party for Rupert, whatever works for, for, for you in that grieving journey. And I think it's, it's a beautiful thing to do. And it's a really good awareness point that don't feel you have to be like how they are in the movies and bull your eyes out because that just might not be you. Yeah, absolutely. And you can't predict what's going to be you until it happens. And when it happens, don't question yourself. Don't judge yourself. Just you do you. I love that. I absolutely love that. You do you. Do not question. I'm not like how it is in the movies or anything like that. Don't push yourself. Honestly, I think there's been some really, really great points here that we've drawn out. The fact that, you know, you you never really know how you're going to feel until you're at, you're at that point. Are there any lessons learned or things you wish you knew? Yeah, definitely. You know, you can run through the scenarios in your head over and over again. But as we said, you can never really predict how you're going to feel or react. So don't feel guilt for how you feel or react. And advice to others, I would say, don't push yourself to do anything you're not ready for. But if you can, do try and celebrate someone's life. That really helped me. I know it helped you, Serena. And we are going to make it and definitely going to do an annual thing. And the Day of the Dead or Dia de los Muertos in Mexico, it's for all spirits and all loved ones. So, Serena, maybe next year you can join us and we'll do something together to remember Rita and Rupert. Gosh, that's got such a ring to it. I love it. Yeah, that sounds absolutely amazing. And I love that you, you're you going to carry on the tradition. It's definitely helped me a lot. And even just getting a little love heart on the day from friends and family, it just shows that people care. And, and honestly, people care more than you think, I'd say as well. I think your advice to others, your lessons learned are really going to help people because it's that sort of almost don't judge yourself in that moment because society tells us that we should cry and we should be a certain way. If you don't feel those emotions, that's okay. 
you know, sometimes there might be a trigger that comes in two years and you might be in Tesco and you might see some fresh chicken and you might start bawling your eyes out then. That's fine. Yeah, absolutely. Be kind to others and be kind to yourself. Absolutely. I love that. And on that note, I think we will wrap up our episode there. Thank you so much, Amber, for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you today. I know it hasn't been an easy topic. You know, you only lost Rupert a few, I'd say, weeks back. Uh, it was the beginning of October. So this year has flown by, hasn't it? So- it has flown by. I honestly, I remember receiving that email like it was last week. So I genuinely appreciate you being so open and honest. And I think we've spoken offline about how there may be quite a few cheers on this episode. And I just thought that's absolutely natural because, you know, it's so raw, it's so soon. And that's what makes me appreciate you coming on so much more because it couldn't have been easy. And I massively appreciate you being so open and honest on this episode. No, it's my pleasure. And I think hearing your story really helped me. So maybe someone somewhere will get something out of this. And if I can give to them what you gave to me, then I'll be very happy. That's very kind. Thank you so much again, Amber. Thanks, Serena. This episode was called The Unpredictable because as Amber's story highlights, you really won't know how you're going to feel at a time of loss. You may cry, or you may not cry at all. You may grieve for days or years. Forget how society portrays how you should feel and focus on what's right for you. It's your journey after all. Thank you for taking time to listen. Please hit the follow button so you don't miss upcoming episodes. And don't forget to check out the Insta page at chatting underscore uncomfortably. Thanks. Bye.